this series that we are going to start today is based out of the book of Philippians, and uh, we are going to do some theology. We're going to do some practical application. We're going to do a little verse by verse, not today, but we will get into that. And there are four chapters to this book, and we're going to look at one chapter each week for the next four weeks. And as a believer, there is a fundamental joy that we can walk in. And I want us to be able to know what that is so that way we can walk in the joy that is set before us. Then there is a second realm of joy that we will talk about. And some of you will know exactly what this is. Some of you won't have a clue. That's quite all right. We will get you there. There is a charismatic joy that you can walk in. Whenever you hear my mom say, I went into the bathroom and did the happy dance, that's the charismatic joy that comes on her. And she is happy about the results that just came about. So you may not know much about the charismatic joy, and that's okay, we'll get there, but we've got to learn some basics first to get to where we want to go, and that is the fundamental of what joy really is. The author of Philippians is none other than, who knows? There we go, the Apostle Paul. This book is written to a church that has already been in operation a few years. This church that was established in a, a, a town called Philippi was on Paul's missionary journey. It was one of his first mission churches that he helped to establish. Paul had spent some time in Philippi, and uh, but he didn't spend it like you think he would. He spent it in prison. There you go. It was one of his journeys that he helped to establish this church. And this story, when this church is planted, is actually found in the book of Acts. It's where Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. And you guys probably remember the song you sing in kids' church. But uh, the, the basic idea is Paul and Silas were in prison. They were singing. Uh, they were worshiping God. And in the middle of their worship, the chains fell off that they were shackled to. The gates flung open. And they walked out of the jail cell. And then they went and started the church of Philippi. That's a pretty good way to start a church. I'm pretty sure we didn't start this church that way. <laughs> I was not in any jail other than marriage. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You said a while ago, it depends. You said it depends. Touche. I just thought of that, and I apologize. That shouldn't have come out. I guess out of the mouth flows the abundance of the heart. <laughs> um, but Paul is writing to this church, and he is writing to them about... 10 years after it was planted. So this church uh, in Philippi was planted in 52 AD-ish. And 10 years later-ish, Paul is writing to this church to encourage them because a 10-year-old church was in a place where they needed to develop more maturity in themselves as Christians. And he said, hey, I know the next realm of what you need to develop, and that is what we are going to talk about today. He covers a topic that I think more than ever uh, we need because if you turn on any sort of news, any sort of anything, you think the world's going to the pots real quick and nothing looks good. But in the middle of all the things that don't look good, you can still have joy, and that is where we want to get to today. There's only four chapters to this book, and he mentions the word joy or rejoice 16 times. 
16 times in four chapters. There should be a difference between the believer who has joy and the unbeliever who doesn't have joy. And if we look at you and we hang around you and we can't tell the difference, then you're in the right place because we want to help you get to that place. When you have joy, it gives you the upper hand. The book of Philippians is all about having joy, and that is what we're going to look at. But the irony of this book is simply that when Paul was writing this book to the church of Philippi about having joy, no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what you're facing, no matter what trial you're in, he was currently sitting in a prison. He is writing this book in a Roman jail, and it's not the type of jail that you think of. The type of jail that they would have been in would have been underground pretty far anywhere from 10 to 35 feet was pretty standard underground would be no lights you would hear running water but it wouldn't be water sewage that would be what you hear there would be rats running all over the place and in his day he had maximum security maximum security meant there would be a jailer that would be shackled to him And they would go down in eight-hour shifts, and they would exchange jail guards with him, and he would be shackled to a jail guard for eight hours at a time. And in the middle of this, he tells us to have joy. (laughs) We're a bunch of pansies today. We're a bunch of softies. It's too warm. It's too cold. I can't go to church because it rained. And he's in prison tied to a guy who stinks, who probably hasn't bathed in a month. And he looks nasty because he doesn't trim his beard. And he's a guard. And he doesn't want to be down there anyway because he doesn't want to be locked down there for eight hours. And that's the guy he's tied to having to deal with for eight hours every day, all day long. And then the next eight hours, another guy that stinks, smells, and has a bad day comes down who doesn't want to be down there. Who wants to be tied to somebody like that? No, and in the middle of all of that, he says, we can have joy. When we look at this epistle of the book of Philippians, an epistle just means a literary writing, so don't act like it's a big word. It just means it's a writing. Let's look in our outline and read our text that's going to start this off today. Um, I'm going to cut you off real quick. So Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God. Right there. (laughs) Right out of the bat, Paul says, I thank my God. Is that the first thing that you would want to write if you're in this prison? (laughs) Heck no. I'd be writing, help, get me out of here. I'd be writing, the food's terrible. The guards are smelly. You got to do something. I'd be writing, okay, I've been down here for a few weeks, and I've discovered how to break me out. Okay, here's how to break me out. And I, that's what I'd be sending out. But Paul's sitting here saying, I thank my God. When we are in different situations, we are going to have to learn how to have joy in all things. Bad days are inevitable. Things are going to happen if you like it or not. Aren't you glad you came to church today to hear that? (laughs) Aren't you glad? You say, Pastor, I want you to be more positive. Okay, I'm going to be positive. I am positive. More bad days are going to happen for you. But if you stay with me. Over the next few weeks, as we go down this pathway, I promise you, you will reap a harvest that will change your life to be able to be in any situation 
and still have joy. One of the marks, let me say it this way, of a mature Christian is how you respond to your bad days. And that's what Paul is trying to teach us. And that's what we're going to look at. Sorry, keep reading. In the middle of the bad days, God wants to teach you something. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is telling us that, remember when we started this church 10 years ago? We are going to see God move. We're going to see our dreams happen. We're going to see people's lives change. All the while, while Paul is saying this, Paul's dream is not happening. Paul, his big dream was for him to go and preach in Rome. Rome was the capital. It's like if you spoke in Rome, you would arrive. Like that was a big deal. And, Rome, and Paul wanted to preach in Rome and stand in the middle of the courts and say, repent for Jesus can save you. Jesus can heal you. And you've got to turn from your wicked ways. And Paul was never even able to make it to Rome to preach. So he had a dream and his dream was not being fulfilled. And yet he still tells us, dream big. Don't give up on God. He is in Jerusalem and he gets thrown in jail and he's telling us, do not give up. This church that we planted in Philippi, God is going to be faithful to bring it to completion. There are things in your life that God is going to be faithful to bring it to completion, but it depends on the joy that is set before you if you're willing to walk in what that looks like and have what it says you can have. God has a plan for your life, and it's going to start off with being a person that has joy set before them. I can tell you from experience, when you have joy, it changes your outlook. It changes your perspective. It changes everything. You put two people side by side, the one who's got joy and the one who doesn't, the one who's got joy will succeed every time because there's something in them that will not allow anything else to take them down. They have perseverance. They have what it takes to keep on going. And that's what Paul is saying is if you've got to have joy that's set before you, there is an inward witness of something that's going to catapult you that no matter what you get yourself into, joy is still there. I think most people discover ways how to get happy, but they don't have joy. So I want to outline the difference between the two and how you can differentiate between happiness and joy. Let's look in your outline. What's the difference? Happiness is, write this down, it'll be on the screens behind us, external. When things are going well, I'm happy. When the sun is out, I'm happy. When it's rainy outside, I'm not happy. When I get good news, I'm happy. When I get bad news, I'm not happy. This type of Christian is flighty. This is not a mature Christian that Paul is trying to help us to become in this letter. If happiness is external, write down number two, joy is internal. You guys are getting it. It's not based on the condition of the circumstances around you. Paul, if anyone, has the right to teach us this lesson. Because in 2 Corinthians 11, it it tells us Paul lists the things that he went through five times. He got beat with 39 lashes five times. And yet he says, have joy, because this guy that you're following is worth it. I'm pretty sure if you guys got beat 39 times, myself included, I don't know what my answer would be. I hope it would be keep going. But we've never had to deal with that. He was beaten with rods. They would take these little 
dowel rod things like this big, and they would make him walk down the street, and they would hit the back of his legs and the back of his. You know how bad? You remember your kid get hurt? Yeah. Remember whenever you hit your sister the other day and that hurt? Yeah. They would take these rods and and just beat the tar out of. You know how bad that stings. He was shipwrecked day and night. He bobbed up and down like a bobber in the sea, not knowing if he was going to get eaten by a fish underneath him, not knowing if something was going to take him out. And he bobbed up and down. And finally, after a day and night of bobbing up and down the water, he finds land. He gets in the land. He makes a fire, and a snake comes out of the fire and bites him. That's not good. He gets stoned. But he says in 2 Corinthians, listen to this. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. That's key. For, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us. <laughs> let's listen, listen to this. The guy just got beaten. He's sitting here saying this light monetary affliction. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Is preparing for us an eternal weight mm. of glory beyond so all there's an comparison. Outward expression. Okay. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The joy has to be set on something more than what's in the natural. All right. Paul is showing us that joy is an internal thing. Number three in your outline, the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on circumstances. Write that down. You got to follow me close on this one because this is kind of a tongue twister, but it's it's good. The root word for happiness is hap, which is the root word in in Latin for luck. So what he's basically saying is happiness is just luck. You can't be happy; it's just luck. The definition for circumstance, we looked at saying happiness is based on circumstances. The definition for circumstance is the circle you are standing in. Let me say it this way. It is where you decide to dwell. Have you ever noticed two people can go through something and have two different outcomes? That is because some people decide to dwell in their circumstances while others don't. Some decide to dwell in luck, which does not provide joy. They reside in the temporary emotion, which is why they are joyless. This one is a big one for me. And uh, I've been around, involved in ministry in some form or fashion, uh, mainly from sitting in dad's meetings all growing up and then sitting in staff meetings and just watching. But for over 30 years of my life, and one thing I've heard over and over and over, I'm paraphrasing, it's my words, but the, the context, the phrasing is, is correct, is why does it work out for them and not me? How come bad things always happen to me and not them? You've ever heard that? thought that been one of those yeah i've heard that my entire life let me give you a a revelation it's because two people saw the same circumstance one dwelled there and one didn't one chose to dwell in the circumstance of luck of happiness the other determined to dwell in the circumstance of joy 
you put me in any situation, I'm confident I'll get myself out of it. Because I know what's in me. I know where I stand. I know who's in me. I know that greater is he that's in me. But if you take somebody else and put them in the same situation, they will not get out of it because they've never learned to dwell in the presence of the shadow of the Almighty. Let me get a little more religious. Those who dwell in the secret place abide in the shadow of the Most High God. You take on the attributes of those in which you dwell, or another word would be grafted into. When you dwell in the circumstance, you graft yourself into the luck of the circumstance. That's worth coming today just for that. You have to look at things knowing that God, the creator of heaven, is backing you, is supporting you, is endorsing you, wants the best for you. If happiness is based on circumstances, then your outline number four, joy is based on Christ. (laughs) I'm making a choice that everything on the inside of me is grafted into Christ. I can't imagine what the Apostle Paul went through. He was in prison, having gone through everything he had gone through. And let's look at what he says next in the text. We're just going through uh, Philippians chapter 1, going kind of verse by verse, but not really. So let's read Philippians 1 chapter 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all depth of insight. So right that there. you may. Hold on, hold on. Uh-huh. There are some things you learn by knowledge, and then it says depth of insight. Then there are some things you learn that is supernatural. Some things you learn by sitting in a service like this or some things you learn by reading a book or getting on YouTube or doing whatever. But then there are some things that you learn that take place supernaturally. And that is the charismatic joy that we'll be talking about later. So, all right, keep going. (laughs) This is going to be so fun. You guys don't even know what's going on. Okay. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. All right, looking at the text, we've just been reading the first few verses. Paul thanks the Lord for the church of Philippi. Paul encourages the church in Philippi. We're just, we're going through chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, 6 through 18. Paul tells the church of Philippi they need to love each other. Now Paul teaches us how his imprisonment is what brings him joy which altered the plan that he had into God's greater plan. I don't see a way to find joy while you're in prison, but Paul teaches us something here that is going to be our application for today. My words, not his. Paul said, do you want to know how I'm still joyful while being in this jail cell? Let's look at your outline. How to have joy, write down number one. Stop asking why. Make sure you get the punctuation right when you write it down because it does matter. Don't we all get in the middle of a situation and say, why, God? (laughs) Why did you let this happen? I've been praying for this for 20 years. Why is this happening to me? Why do I deserve this? What did I do? How did I ever deserve this? If you stay in your whys, you'll never find your solution. You have to get over the distraction of what actually happened. For some of you, that is a process. 
For some of you, it's simply a decision. For some, it's dealing with past issues. For some, those who are closest to you keep reminding you of your past, and it has you to keep dealing with something. Get those people out of your life. Get those people to shut up. You don't have people in your life that remind you of the past you. You've got to quit asking God, why did these things happen? Why did I have to go through this? Why was it me? I, don't, I thought you loved me. I thought you cared about me. Why was it this, 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 and this? And whenever you get over those, you have to allow the people around you to move on as well. I feel like getting on a tangent there because that's not in my notes. I'm thinking about it, but I'm already over time. God never promised you not to have trouble, but he did promise you that you'd be able to rise above it. Uh, Paul understood that. In your outline, uh, chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. In the middle of what Paul was going through, he refused to ask why. Why am I in prison? Why is this happening to me? Why can't I preach in Rome and fulfill my life's dream? He did not ask why. Instead, let's write down number two. Start asking what? Ask the Lord, what is your purpose in this for me? What are you teaching me? What are you wanting me to learn in this? This is where you discover the greatness about God. It is here you discover that God has a greater plan because Paul's plan did not work out. Paul's plan was to go to Rome and preach the gospel, but Paul ended up in prison. And if it wasn't for Paul being in prison, we wouldn't have most of the New Testament. We wouldn't have what we're talking about today. So we look at it and say, God, my plan didn't work out, but God said, my plan is greater my plan is bigger you got to ask me what is my plan in this situation because you never know you might have the influence of what Paul had and if you were so stuck on doing it your way you would have never known what God wanted he continues in verse 13 so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Hmm. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. <laughs> Paul came to a place where he realized that he was getting more done in prison than he would have on the streets. <laughs> Another way of saying that God has you in the place where you're at because he has something for you to do there that you can't do somewhere else. You say, Taylor, I hate my job. I'm not happy. Things aren't going the way I thought they were. Yeah, tell that to Paul. Maybe, just maybe you're there because God has a better plan for you. And the reason why you're still there after you think you should go further is because you haven't done what God's asked you to do in that place. God's not going to take you to the next level if you haven't completed level one. So quit asking God, why am I in this situation? And saying, God, what do you want me to do here? And the caveat to that is once you ask, what am I doing here? You better do it. 
You got to go. You could, Paul could have said, hey, I'm going to be stuck in prison. Um, okay, God, this is your plan. I'm okay with this. But there was still an action he had to take. He had to write down. He was still sharing the gospel with the people who were tied up to him. In fact, he gets out of prison. He tells somebody else, hey, I almost got the prison guard saved. So if I can go back to that prison when you get me the next time, I think I'll be able to get him that time. The plan of God is more important than your happiness on earth. <laughs> the plan of God is more important than my happiness on earth. Paul came to a place where he said, Wow, my dream of preaching in this city of Rome is dying. But look at what I was able to do in God's plan and not my plan. You are there where you are at for a purpose. Discover what that purpose is. Don't say there's not one. I promise you, when you're in a jail cell, doesn't seem like much purpose can happen there. But Paul changed his perspective and said, what instead of why? So in the situation you're in, the job you don't like, the, uh, the myriad of things that are going on in your life, why, 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 why? No, 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 no. What, what, what? If you're stuck walking around in circles and not making headway, it's because your what has not been accomplished. Number three, the third thing that Paul did while he was going through all this, right now, number three, refocus on what really matters. You've got to stop asking God, why am I here? Start asking God, what am I to do here? And then refocus on what really matters. Start putting to action the reason for your what. Let's continue to read in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Paul's saying, don't let the trivial things stir you up the wrong way. Paul is writing this portion of the text because he was being told there are people using the name of God the wrong way. There's people falsifying what God's doing in their life. There's people who are out there saying God's this way and God's not that way in real life. And people are getting so tizzied up about someone else's problems. They go to Paul and say, you should come and address this situation in church. This is a big deal. And Paul looks at him and is like, dude, who cares? They're selfish, but what really matters is Christ is being proclaimed, and in that I will rejoice. He didn't focus on the negativity that was brought for him to go and tell everybody. He said, the kingdom of God is being advanced. That is my mission. That is my goal, and that is what I will focus on. He shifted the focus of negativity to what God had called him to do, and you proclaim the Gospels. Bad days plagued Paul. <laughs> Understatement of the year. But Paul decided, I'm going to look at this a little differently. There is no circumstance that will take you out 
if you have the mindset of what Paul is teaching us, and what is that mindset? We come to this conclusion in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What do you do with the person with that kind of attitude? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. You're not going to be able to stop him. Nothing that gets set before him will stop him. If your attitude is, for me to live is to Christ to gain, and to die is my gain to be in Christ. There was no bad. If I get beat up and all that, I get to go be with Jesus. That's good. If, if I'm here preaching the gospel, that's good. If I'm going through a situation that's going to take me out, that's okay. I get to go be with Jesus. If I'm here and I'm, I'm doing what God's called me to do, that's okay. That's good. I'm doing my, what I'm called to do. And Paul was teaching us that you've got to keep your focus on what really matters. The joy that is set before you is not circumstantial. It is being in the presence of God and knowing the end result is I'm with Jesus. So it changes the outlook of your situation whenever you know that there's joy that's set before you. So no matter what situation you're in, there can be joy because you still get to be with Jesus. And if you change your mindset, you change your perspective, you change your outlook, you change the way you go through these things, you can have internal joy of what God wants to do in your life. This series is going to build on each other each week. I want to encourage you for the next three, maybe four more weeks, um, be here each Sunday because it's going to build. And if you skip one, you're going to get kind of left behind. So we're going to build on this next week, and I don't want you missing out. Um, but I, I believe that as Christians that there is a joy that we can walk in and we need to walk in it. So this week, I want you to focus on these three things. Stop asking why, start asking what, and focus on what matters. And you too can have the same joy that Paul had. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we have together today. Thank you that joy is set before us, that no matter what situation we're going through, no matter what the outlook looks like, no matter what the circumstance looks like, God, we thank you that you are in control and we trust you and the outcome is that of knowing that we can be with you. So Lord, speak to us. Give us wisdom. Give us guidance. Lord, in the places that you have put us, allow us to accomplish the reason why we're there so you can be glorified and you can be honored. Like Paul said, if you throw me in jail, throw me back in that one. I was this close to getting that guy saved. Lord, let us have that mindset. I'm this close. I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep doing. Joy is set before me, and my purpose is found in that joy. So I'm going to be joyful because I'm doing what I'm called to do, even when it doesn't look like that's what it is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com, to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, 
you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.